Today, I'm going to do something a little different. I usually, um, verse by verse, book by book, you know, we're going through the book of Philippians. Today, we're, we're not going to do Philippians because I want to talk about rekindling our love for the Scripture, about us uh, cultivating this lifelong relationship with the Creator through the Word of God. And I want to talk about some reasons why we don't get into the Word, uh, some encouragement. So today, do not feel guilty. I'm not, this is not a guilt trip for me. I just want to talk about why we don't get into the Word and some ways that can help us get into the Word. Um, in fact, I'm going to start pushing people to bring their Bibles to Sunday. I know they're heavy. Get a thin one if you need to. If you don't have a Bible, I will buy you a Bible. I'll buy you a nice Bible if you want. I'll get your name imprinted on it. If you'll use it, I will do that. That's how important it is. Um, but I want you guys to bring your Bible because you can put notes in there. You can circle different things. You can take, uh, you know, it, it's important to get into the Word, and we're going to talk a little bit about that also, um, why the paper Bible is important. But in 2 Timothy, the first slide, um, our system is not communicating, so Brandon will be back there, and I'll just keep telling him to flip a slide because I got lots of slides. So get out pen and paper today, if you're a note taker. If you're not, get out it anyway, and take notes. Second Timothy, two fifteen says, "Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth." This is so important for our, our walk with the Lord, understanding who we're communicating with and that relationship that we have. Uh, like I said, I'm going to do something different. Uh, you know, verse by verse is my kind of thing. But I've been thinking about this, and I've heard uh, another pastor, a couple other pastors talking about this. Some of this stuff this morning is from them. Some of it is from me this morning. But it's not, it's not anything new. This is back to the basics. Because I want to talk about how we connect with God and how God connects to us, and it mostly starts through the Scripture. We can all relate to this idea of having a wonderful relationship with God at the beginning. We, we come to the Lord, and we're all excited about it, and, and then over time, that relationship kind of settles down a little bit, right? And then you got to figure out, how do I live with God? This is much like our relationships, you meet somebody new, I don't know how many of you are married, but if you're married or, or you've had a relationship, at, at first it's very exciting, right? Lisa and I dated for three and a half years. Was our relationship at the end of three and a half years exactly like it was at the beginning of three and a half years? No, we celebrated our 30th anniversary this year, so I know. So we've, 33 and a half years we've known each other. I know, pray for her, okay? She needs it. But... At first, the, the relationship is very exciting, and then you get into that part of the relationship. You have to figure out how to live with each other, right? She had to figure out how to live with me, and the same with me with her, how to do life together. I do a lot of weddings, and, and during the weddings, I talk about doing life together. It's not about, oh, we're married, and we just live our separate lives, but we live in the same house, no, you have to do the best relationships are going to be doing life together. And our relationship with God is the same way. Figuring out how to do life together with the Holy Spirit involved. This isn't just a thought that I came up with. A biochemist will tell you 
that at the beginning of your relationship, there's a chemical change that takes part in your brain. And this, uh, you know, and, and, and it's a wonderful thing, but eventually it kind of, that love struck feeling, you know what I'm talking about? You can tell when somebody's love struck, right? They're just like, oh, when they're talking about the other person. And you're just like kind of internally, if you've been through it, you're just kind of rolling your eyes like, oh, yeah, okay, okay. You know, eventually they'll understand. But, but it's kind of that love struck. But eventually, scientists say that diminishes, and it's replaced by a chemical, uh, and it changes in a brain that becomes focused on bonding and a long-term relationship. So there's literally a chemical that does this. And, and, and it's from a rush of excitement to an established relationship, and that's the way our brains work. And it's always difficult in that transition stage. That transition stage is when a lot of relationships break up. Because either one gets scared, I don't want a long-term relationship, I don't know, is this, you know, I, I'm not ready for marriage, or they're just sitting there going, no, this isn't the person I want to spend long-term with. That bonding kind of, the chemical goes, oh, wait, 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 no, this is not good. So uh, this is where relationships either fall or continue, you know, this personal and romantic, and, and it's the same type of relationship that we have with God. And we need to get away from this idea that our relationship with God needs to be all feelings-based. Oh, I just got to feel it. Every Sunday, I got to feel God. You know, and, and, and we, we need to, <laughs> it's a lot of fun, you know. Um, we want the rush of excitement with our Savior. But it comes to a point where we have to have a bonding, a long-term relationship with our Savior, along with a renewal of excitement on occasion. I believe the Bible has a central place in that. Not only in the short-term excitement part of the relationship, but that long-term bonding part of a relationship. So how does the Bible help us meet God and be with him? And I'm going to come at this from a different angle this morning. Uh, I think we need to read, uh, well, <laughs> I don't think we're reading our Bibles like people did 50 years ago. Would you agree or, or disagree on that? You know, I, which is kind of ironic uh, why is the question? Because way back, in, way back when, the church told people not to read the Bible. A priest or a pastor, we're talking way, way back when, you know, 1100s, you know, the dark ages and all that. You know, the, the priest or the pastor would read it and explain it to you. And then the printing press came along and it all changed because all of a sudden I could take the Bible with me. It was mine. It wasn't the pastor's. It wasn't the priest. It wasn't the church's Bible. It was mine. And then we allowed the teacher, the pastor, to teach and explain things. But I think the evangelical church, those who follow Christ seriously, they want to go to a church that the teacher teaches the Bible, right? It's important to them. That's, that's a good thing. But I feel that many of us aren't reading the Bible for ourselves. It's interesting because the Roman Catholic Church used to command people not to read it. That's slowly changing. Yeah, the priest had to explain that the, the, the priest was responsible for reading the scripture and explaining it to you. Okay, and that's how it was. Um, but it's interesting. I think we've kind of adopted this into the e evangelical church by default. 
I'm not going to read my Bible, but I want to go to a church where the pastor certainly preaches from the Word. So we have to start changing that. So why do people read their Bibles less today than they did before? And I came up with like 12 or 14 reasons why. And uh, I want you to think through this list, okay? So today I got a couple of different lists that we're going to go over. Uh, The next slide, Brandon. Um, There are those who believe the Bible is worthless. Okay, so these are the people not even going to step into church, okay? So I'm just going to start at that basis. There's nothing of value. The Bible cannot be trusted. Our culture embraces this idea. Uh, just diminish the Bible, diminish any Christian. How, you know, those are just crazy people. Why do they need that crutch? You know, you kind of hear that type of talk. Like, they're the experts on everything that is real and fake, right? Because you can believe them, of course. You know, evolution is fine. Even though there's, there's a lot of, you study evolution, there's a lot of issues with evolution. But they just skim over that kind of stuff. But the Bible is just full of fairy tales, they believe. And I, though I do love this one statement. And this will kind of, this will hit us hard, okay? What's the difference between atheists and evangelicals? Atheists are honest about not following the teachings of Christ. Ouch. But it's true in many ways. It is true. I'll just let you go with that. So if the, if the Lord's hitting you on that one, let the Lord hit you, not me, okay? But, but the Bible is by far the best-selling book of all time, and there's a reason for it. There's something compelling about the Word of God, okay? So the next one is, number two, the busyness of life. We are just busy. So when somebody like me says, read your Bible... Our thoughts are like, great, one more thing I have to do today. Have you seen all the things that I have to accomplish? You can't add something else to my schedule. Now, the next one, number three. So every time I say a number, you'll get it. Okay. Information overload. We all understand this one, right? I mean, there's more power in this little phone than what sent the moon, I mean, sent uh, NASA to the moon, uh, you know, the United States to the moon. There's more computing power in this than all the computers that got Apollo to the moon. Isn't that crazy? We're just, you, it's just too much information. And the Bible just seems to be one source that's out there. The next one, number four, brain, like I, uh, this is a great word, Googleization. Brain Googleization. Scientists say our our brains are changing because of Google. And what I mean by Google is the computer, the internet. We're not using our brains because we can look it up. I can't tell you how many times somebody said something, I went, oh wait, let me look that up. And I look it up and I go, oh yeah, it's this. I don't have to remember anything. Why do I have to remember anything? It's all right here, I can just look it up. I can Google it, right? With brain Googleization, there's no depth. It all stays at one level, the thin crust in a sense. We don't think deeply anymore, and we believe what is given to us. I can't tell you how many times I've looked up something and then come to find out it wasn't correct. You have to be careful what source you go to when you look up something, right? You just can't believe, but for some reason we just believe anything's given to us and we don't think about it. But we need to approach the Bible differently. 
to critically think about what we're reading. Number five, too many Bible translations. Bible translations are not wrong, okay? But the unattended consequences of knowing the Word of God is we jump between these translations and we don't memorize. We don't memorize because we memorize it in one, then we read it in another, and then we're confused and so forth. And I will tell you the number one Bible translation for you. And this is taking out the obvious messed up ones, okay? It's the one that you will read, period. Whatever translation that you can read and will stick with reading, that's the number one translation you ought to have. Taking out, I mean, okay, now, any Hawaiians in here? Now, I have a Hawaiian Bible. It's called Da Jesus Book, okay? And it's D-A, Da, Jesus Book. And you try to read scriptures in it, and it makes you kind of laugh. And I feel bad because I'm laughing about scripture. You know what I'm saying? But if you ever want a good laugh, come, I'll get it out. Brandon took it home, I think, and we have it at home right now. But it's pretty, it's funny how it's pronounced. But for those that, that, that all they talk is Hawaiian pigeon, that is the best Bible for them. I'm not going to go to them and go, oh, you need the NIV. Oh, you need New King James. Or you need Kim James because that's the only Bible that's authorized, right? You know, there's all sorts of stuff there, okay? So too many Bible translations will, can trip us up. Number six, spiritual attack. This is an obvious one. It uses all these reasons that we're talking about to trip us up and not get us in the word. Number seven, attractions of substitutes. And we have to be careful with this. Even as we're using one of these ourselves, okay? And what I'm talking about is devotional books. And it can be paper, it can be audio, it can be video. Um, the Bible recap is, is wonderful, but it's not a substitute for the Word of God. The little devotional part that, that's done on that is not a substitute for paper and ink of the Bible, okay? We use those after we read the Word of God. We don't substitute the Bible with them. Books, good books, wonderful books. There's a book that, that a lot of people did, a, uh, they, uh, they did like the, especially the ladies would get together and, and do uh, you know, studies, on, uh, studies with it called Jesus Calling. Wonderful book, but not in place of the Bible. Not in place of the Word of God. That is not Jesus speaking. It's a woman's imagination of what Jesus says to her. It can be edification, but it's not the Word of God. We cannot like these books and replace them for the Bible. And I know that's kind of an extreme example, but I think you get the point. So, I mean, I could go over dozens of different things. So devotional books have their place, just not in place of the Bible. Okay, so the next one, attraction to the experiential Christianity, and I was kind of alluding to this a little earlier, uh, and there's an extreme in the community of Christians that they want to experience God on a weekly basis, and they think that experience is in an emotional level, you know, that emotional worship and, and so forth, and they got to work themselves up. The problem is, where do we learn about God from? The Bible, Right? 
And sometimes learning can be emotional, and sometimes it's book learning, and we all hate book learning, don't we? But that's where God speaks to us from. It begins with this, okay? And I'm not saying the, the experiential, I'm not saying the emotional part is bad, but it's got to start with the Word of God. That's got to be the foundation for it all. Number nine, electronic distractions. TVs, phones, videos, Facebook videos, YouTube videos, computer games. We just have distractions, don't we? If you're going to read your Bible on your phone, which, hey, if that's what you want, there's something about paper and ink. But if you want to read it on your phone, that's fine. Turn all notifications off when you do it. I don't know how many times I picked up my phone to do something very specific but then I see a text, or I see an email, or I see something, and it distracts me, and I go down a rabbit hole, and then I go, what was I, what did I pick up my phone for? And I don't even remember. 20 minutes later, I'm trying to retrace my steps to think about what I was gonna be doing, okay? The next one is, uh, number 10, is inspirational preaching. It can be a wonderful motivator, right? I mean, the opposite is just dull teaching, which isn't good either. But the idea that every sermon has to hit this emotional quota or you're not feeling the presence of God, and that kind of, we've talked a little bit about that. I have a friend that goes to another church, and I was talking with them, and they said they were thinking about finding another church. And I asked them why. Well, I'm not really feeling the presence of God anymore in the church. I'm like but it's the Bible, I mean, it's the pastor teaching from the word of God. Yes. Okay, is it solid, good teaching? Yes. So I get this kind of half smile on my face, and I, and I ask him, well, then whose fault is it that you're not feeling the presence of God? If they're teaching the word of God, and it's good, solid teaching, then maybe you need to look within yourself. Now, I'm not saying that every person connects with every church and every pastor and all that kind of stuff. And I'm not saying, oh, you have to, once you're rooted, you have to stay there forever. I'm not, not trying to say that. But I'm saying you need, to, you need to think about it before you just hop to find that emotional part. You know, the church has this problem of feeling like the pastor needs to be inspirational with every, uh, every sermon. This is Joel Olstein right here, man. I tell you, in my opinion, he's a charlatan. Okay, and if you want to discuss why I feel that way later, I will have an argument. I mean, no, no, I will have a discussion with you. I don't like to argue. I'll tell you why, okay? And if you want to just love Joel Olstein, that, that's fine. I'm not going to condemn you. I'll leave, that's between you and God, okay? But I just believe I've never heard him talk about Jesus. There is no cross in his church anywhere, okay? He doesn't talk about Jesus, doesn't talk about the cross. I, you know, whew. You know, he doesn't really give you the word of God. It's all about inspiration. God is our foundation. It's not in the light, lighting. I wish we had better lighting in here, okay? But it's not about the lighting. It's not about the excitement of musical worship or the inspirational teacher and teaching. It needs to be about God. It can be any of these that prevent us from getting into the word of God. But ultimately, it's the devil. It's the evil one that distracts us. 
and we will, he, he will use anything and everything to distract us. So number 11, which is kind of ironic, because we're talking about getting into one. One-year Bible plans. And you're like, what? Well, for some of you, that works. Every morning you get up, get up early, get your Bible out, get your coffee, take a picture, post it on Facebook. Okay, maybe not, but you know. Every, let everybody know you're on your 190 day to, you know, day 192 or whatever of your plan, and it's going great. And if that, is, is, if that works for you, then good, okay? I don't want to discourage you, okay? As we're kind of wanting to get into the word that starts tomorrow, we're going to start going through the, the New Testament. But we're kind of doing it on a five-day schedule instead of a seven-day schedule. So if you miss something, that's fine. Just catch up. Or just skip it and just start the next, because we want to be in community and talking about some of this. But if that's for you, good for you. But for most of us, it starts out like this. The first week is great. The second week gets a little busy and you get a little behind. The third week you feel so guilty that we don't want to even look at our Bible because it's looking at us, you know. (laughs) This is why we're trying to get everybody into the Word this year. We want to be flexible, as I said last week. You get behind, you have my permission to skip it. Okay. But go at your own pace. But the key is to get into the Lord four times a week. And that's what the little pamphlet, the center of that pamphlet talks about, is why we should be in the Word four times a week. Because it doesn't do any good for us if it's just one or twice. It doesn't really change us. And if you want to be changed by God, get into the Word. Now, the last one of this part is passive, number 12, passive Bible reading, just monotonous reading. This is where we're we're going to stay a while this morning, because if your time is not rewarding, how are you going to keep up with it, right? If you're just trying to breeze through it to check off a box, how are you going to keep up with it? I mean, if you read the word every day and it just spoke to you every day, you wouldn't put it down, would you? Now, if your Bible reading is rarely rewarding, you're not going to do it. So how do you make more time for your Bible and reading and connecting with God? How do you make it more rewarding and more effective or effective for you? See, I would love to see everyone spend more time with their ink and paper Bible. The phone is great. The iPad is great. I mean, I use the iPad on Sundays because it keeps me in my notes in the right place because when I get paper up here, I get all confused about where I was. This just helps. They're great tools. But as a kid, I would have never gone to church without my Bible. It was and still is important. But in today's world, we don't need it. We put the scriptures up on the screen most of the time, right? So why do we need to bring it? I tell you why. It's important to open up the Word of God. In fact, what we're going to start doing every Sunday is at the beginning of the sermon, we're going to stand up, we're going to grab our Bibles, and we're going to read the Scripture for the day. We're going to put our hands on the Bible, and we're going to pray that God would speak to us that day, and then we're going to sit down and get into the Word of God. So um, we have extra Bibles. If you forget yours, don't, don't feel guilty. I'm just saying it's important for us to have it. 
I want to think of the Bible as different. I don't want to think of it as just one of the 300 books that I have on my phone that I've read, probably half of them. I'm I'm a prolific reader. I like to read. I I listen to audio books all the time on Audible and stuff. But the Bible should be different. It's not just another book on the phone. Okay? And like I said, if you need a Bible, come talk to me. I'll buy you one. There's a place for audio Bible. There's a place for listening to the Word of God. But it's different than actual reading Comprehension is more when you read it, okay? I can't tell you how many times I'm listening to an audio book and my mind starts to wonder and I have to go, oh, what was that? And I I kind of skip back and pick back up. I mean, reading can be the same way, but, but it's not as much. It is not the only place to experience God, okay? What makes it meaningful? Not just so I can quote scripture. Not that I know all the little facts about this or that. You know, Lisa the other day sent me a text going, oh, um, what was his name? I can't think of it. It was one of David's brothers. Goes, she goes, did you know he had five pounds worth of hair? Absalom. Beautiful Absalom. Beautiful man. It even says in the Bible it was beautiful. He had five pounds of hair. We don't read the Bible just, I mean, she thought it was kind of funny and said, did you know this? And we were talking about it, but we don't read the word of God to find out facts like that, okay? This is a place where we can meet God. This is a place where we can connect with him and he connects with us. Like I said, it's not the only place, but you can't have a deeper emotional experience with God outside the word. It can't be all the emotion without getting into and knowing the word of God. You can get the same goosebump level experience that you can get sometimes through musical worship. The same goosebump level experience through the worship in the word. It's the same God, the same Holy Spirit. It's the same Jesus. We can have these experiences in worship. We can have them in prayer. We can have them uh, you know, while, while serving on mission trips and reading the word of God. It all starts with thinking about and meditating and going deep with the word. Because the word is who? Jesus. And Jesus is who? God. It comes from the Lord, okay? We think that it must be a powerful worship session to connect with God um, when it really takes a person willing to put time and energy into a relationship, right? If you've been in a relationship, at the very beginning, if you don't put any time in that relationship, what happens? You break up, right? A lot of times in marriages, marriages fall apart because there's not time being put into the relationship, right? It's the same with our relationship with with the Lord. If we don't put time into it, it starts to fall apart. Apart. God wants to meet you in the Word. Uh, slide 15, Brandon. There are some things that you can do better to read and approach the Bible. The number one thing is to realize that you're talking about a spiritual dynamic. It's not just an intellectual one. Like I said, it's not about facts. There's something spiritual about the Word of God. 
Therefore, our obedience or our rebellion against God makes a difference. It's black and white. If you live in conscious rebellion of God and wonder why the Bible is dry to you, you have your answer. Okay? If you live in con- you know, this conscious rebellion, that's a decision to, okay, I know this is wrong. I don't care that God says it's wrong. I'm still going to do it. That's different than just sin that we, you know, just find ourselves in and we, the, that we kind of struggle with, okay? Uh, you're struggling with it, okay, then, and then pray for the help of the Holy Spirit and all those to, to do better. You might find yourself going toward that sin. That's the, allow God to help you with that. But this is different than giving yourself over into that sin and not caring, not struggling at all, okay? Our submission or lack of submission to God makes a difference. The second thing, prayer matters. Ask God to reveal himself through the word. You don't have to get up at 5 a.m. and pray for two hours before getting into the Word. It can keep it simple. Lord, I'm reading through Philippians 3 right now. You know, just, just speak to me in your Word. Teach me what you want to teach me. And then get into the Word. It doesn't have to be this flowery. I mean, my, my grandfather, he could pray. Man, I wish I could pray like him. You know? It's impressive to man. God doesn't care how you pray. He just wants you to communicate, Okay? The third thing, here are some practical things that you can do to read the Bible better. Have a journal. Write a one-sentence summary of every chapter you read. Start that this week. You read a chapter, just sit down, write a short one-sentence summary. Keep it in a journal, and one day you'll look back and you, you, at your filled journal, and you'll be thinking, how did that ever happen? And the answer is one sentence at a time. Also, use your journals to take notes on Sunday. I wish I could do it again. I talked to Lisa about it. We looked at our finances and said, no, we can't pull it off. But several years ago, I think 2017, 2016, something like that, maybe 15, we bought journals for everybody so they could start taking notes on Sunday. It worked for a while. Some of you guys still have them. Bring them. Start taking notes. It's a built-in record of what God is teaching you at that moment in time. And that's a good thing. Then you will read the Bible and think about what it says instead of just breezing through the reading plan. i got to make my check mark. I read it today. No, we want you to think about it. What is the word saying? It will help you pay attention. The fourth thing. I don't know. I'm running out of time, so i got to get going here. Um, the fourth thing. Read and pray with the word and the ideas from the text. In other words, pray from your reading. Genesis 1, creation. How does it happen? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you realize how much of a prayer you can make out of that verse? God, you created everything in the beginning. I need you to do a new creation within me today. I need something that's new that's created. You have the authority to be the creator of my life. You see how easy it is to, if you think about the scripture and what, how you can turn it into a prayer and it begins you to start thinking about the word of God. What does it mean? How does it apply to our lives? And you start meeting God in the word. And all you did was read Genesis 1.1. And now you're connecting with God in a powerful way. It's not rocket science. You don't have to be a scholar. It is for everyone. 
You don't have to be like me. We started going through Genesis. We spent, I think, four weeks, maybe five weeks on Genesis 1-1. That's how, I mean, there's just so much packed into You would think it wouldn't be, but there's so much packed into that one verse when you really get down to it. But you don't have to do that. It can be a simple prayer. Now, the fifth, th- fifth thing is read the Bible out loud. Now, this isn't a formula. I'll follow 16 steps, and, and I connect with God. No, you've got to figure out what works for you. These are just practical steps. In ancient times, they would read the Word of God out loud, okay? So read it out loud. It may be help you remember it. In Romans 10, 17, and this is the next slide there, it says... Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. And another translation says, um, so then faith uh, comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Different translations say it just a little different, but it, it's, it's important. It is a reference to, to, uh, this is a reference to non-believing Israelites who heard the word of God. Some believed and some didn't, but it was presented to them. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And when you read it out loud, you also hear it. It makes you stop and think. Sixth thing, use things as a supplement. Audio Bibles, you know, use other things. Next slide, Brandon. Um, I, I'm, yeah, it's uh, slide 21. Um, use audio Bible. Use other things, but don't eliminate the paper and ink Bible, okay? Uh, use it in addition to it. The seventh thing, slide 22. Uh, read, the, read, Bible different translation, uh, read different translations of the Bible if your Bible reading seems stale. Now, earlier I said there's too many translations. We're bad. I believe that. But reading from one other translation is not a bad thing. Uh, Fifteen different translations on one verse is a little bit much, okay? You know, um, but one or two, that's fine. If you're reading a still, just pick up a different translation. The eighth thing, in the next slide, read in community. And this is one of the things that, that we're sort of doing through the app. We're going to be asking different questions, that, uh, the, the um, Slack app. But, uh, but we're not quite doing it like this. But if you want to get to group together and read in community, get some friends together and read the Bible out loud. Just the Bible. Nothing else. Just read. How beautiful would that be? Go down to Starbucks. Get a little small group or Panera Bread. The ninth thing, the next slide, uh, make it a priority of time, okay? You have to make time to read the Bible, plain and simple. The next thing is the tenth, don't be, uh, don't be afraid to use commentaries. You're not going to understand everything from the Bible. Get, a, a, get a, 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 a study Bible. It has little notes on the bottom that helps explain the context of what's going on. Sometimes the context is obvious. Sometimes it's not. Um, there's Blue Letter Bible app. is a great app to go to and, and uh, find different things on that. Um, version is another app that you can find different things. The next thing, 11th, is when reading, if you feel God speaking to you, stop right there. Stop and think about what God is teaching you and what he's saying to you. You don't have to finish the three chapters for God to talk to you, okay? So if you feel the Lord is kind of speaking to you through the scripture, then stop right there and think about it and focus on that. Um, And I'm going to end list, uh, again, nine things, and I'm going to do them in five minutes, okay? Okay. 
This is a list of uh, uh, bad things to do. Don't do these things as you're getting into the Word because this is how to read your, your Bible ineffectively, okay? Number one, speed reading. I just got to get through it. Don't do that, okay? It doesn't help you. Number two is know-it-all reading. You know what it is, so I'm just going to skip through that passage. Oh, I've read this story in 1 Samuel I don't know how many times. You know, I'm just going to skip through that really fast. No, I can't tell you how many times I read something, I teach something, and I go back to it a couple years later, and I read it again, and God shows me something completely different. Don't skip over it. Don't do the know-it-all reading. Number three, fortune cooking reading. This is, this is where you go, oh, I'm going through a tough time. Let me just open the Word of God, and boom, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust. Of course, it would turn out with a good one, right? Okay, that's great for that one, you know, but a lot of times we'll just, you know, like you just point in the Bible, when your judgment comes upon the earth, the people would learn righteousness. Oh, well, that just tells me I just need to bowl right over people. You know, I mean, you can't do the fortune cookie thing, okay? That doesn't work. Number four, magic eight ball reading. Just reading it like it's a Ouija board or an eight ball. Should I do this? Let me, you know, just let me find that one verse. Either agrees or disagrees with me, you know. Trying to find a verse that answers a specific question. If you draw near to God, he will guide you in your decisions, okay? Uh, Number five, absent-minded reading. Just going along. Uh, Just reading. And you think, what did I just read? If you start to do that, just stop and go back to it later. Because if you read like that, it's just unrewarding. Number six, Da Vinci Code reading. Trying to find things that no one else before has ever noticed. Oh, did you know? This is what I think this is trying to say. In other words, you you go off on these tangents and you're sitting there going, no scholars have ever thought about that. Well, then you're probably off on your own little, uh, you know, rabbit hole or something like that. Uh, Look for clear and simple meaning in the scripture. Don't look for hidden messages, okay? Number seven, checklist reading, like going through the New Testament plan, just checking it off. We've talked about that a couple of times. Slow down. It's a good thing. Number eight, character reading. You know, when you read a novel, you put yourself in place of the character, right? When you read the Word of God, we have to be careful not to do that. Don't Don't put yourself in their shoes all the time because you end up being the hero of the story. We need to learn from what David did. We do not need to think that we are David. Does that make sense? Or am I just off on a tangent? Jesus is the hero of the story. God is the hero of the story. Don't put yourself in that, uh, that thing. Because I, th- I think it's just eight things. I don't think I have nine. So. But co- God comes to us in and through his word. It's not the only way that God comes to us. God can come through, to us in deep prayer, in, in, in musical worship. But worshiping through the word, God also comes through us. This is the basics. This is the basis of everything. It has to begin here or the other stuff is just worthless. So God will come to us uh, or come to us through prayer and worship and friendship and community and serving. And like I said, it all begins with the word of God.
And that is our goal as a community of believers, to learn from God, connecting with God in a meaningful and fruitful way. So that's why this year we're beginning to to get into the Word. We want everybody into the Word. We want everybody to download that app and start um, talking and going through it. If that's not your thing, I'm not going to force you. I'm not going to get, oh, I can't believe Dan. He won't get on the app. You know, I'm not going to be like that. No, you, you got to figure out how you connect with people and community and all those things. I just want to encourage you to get into the Word. And if you can do it where we can talk about it, some people learn that way because God may be teaching you something and somebody else may be going through the same thing and they think they're alone. And come to find out, they're going, wow, okay, I'm not alone through this. And that's a good thing for us to understand that. So why don't we pray? We've ran out of time. So uh, Tyler, why don't you guys come up and you guys can finish out last song for us. We'll make them other guys wait another five minutes. Let us pray. Lord, you're an amazing God. You wrote this Bible over hundreds of years and it's still important to us today. Ancient text that was written so long ago, you can still speak through. I pray that you open our minds and our hearts to to your desires and we find those desires in the word of God and that we can lift each other up as we go through this process of learning how to live in our relationships with you. And I pray that it's a fruitful relationship. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine down upon you. And may he bless you when you get into the word of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.